Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Brad Christensen, and welcome to Lost in Hyperspace, the new podcast series from Surrealist Pictures. Episode 1, Launching Out of Orbit. Two thousand seventeen, here we go. Our pilot episode is here. Christine Cartizer is joining me today and we'll be talking about the film industry and some of the company's future projects. So far the company's most notable work has been the journal, a short psychological thriller which I hope to have distributed online later this year. We'll have the Facebook and trailer link for that available with this podcast so you can check out updates for the film as we submit to festivals and find out other news related to our project. So Christine, the hot seat is yours. Why don't you tell us about yourself and how you got involved with the company's work? Thanks, Brad. Well, as you know, I live in Summit and we met at the local TV station where I was volunteering to learn more about video work. Uh, I also had the opportunity with you where you shot the journal at my house for a shot location. Now, this opened up a whole new new world for me to learn how a movie is produced from beginning to end. And I can't believe how much work and coordination it was. And I certainly have a great appreciation now for films while working on my own video projects. I can't thank you enough for letting us use your house to shoot the interior scenes. It was also great to have you there on set. I think a lot of the crew felt your warmth and enthusiasm, and it really motivated them to put forward their best work. And I'm so glad to have you here today. Would you like to start us off with your first question? Sure. Um, So listening to your introduction and reading the podcast outline, I was very curious about where you came up with the title for the podcast. Well, the title Lost in Hyperspace speaks to my passion for science fiction. I've enjoyed the genre ever since I saw Star Wars for the first time as a kid. From there, I'd go on to enjoy Alien and Aliens as well as the Terminator films. And then I got into sci-fi television with... Star Trek The Next Generation, and Mm -hmm. Stargate SG-1. Also, when Surrealist Pictures was founded, I had just finished outlining and writing the first season of a science fiction television series. The idea for this series came from a dream I had, and I just wanted to write it all down so I could continue to develop the story. The journal was also based off a dream, wasn't it? Yeah, a lot of these early story ideas came from dreams, and that inspired me to name the company Surrealist Pictures, actually. Oh, so when do you want to start pitching your uh, television series? Not until later on in my career. I've created an entire universe for the series to take place in and have already begun visualizing and writing some of the places that the characters would go to. And I'm still developing a lot of ideas for the different alien creatures we would meet within the universe. I think it would be important that I was able to retain a lot of creative control so that the series can go in the direction it needs to go in order mm-hmm. to be successful. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just hand it off and instead I'm planning on being a very integral force behind its creation, which means getting other more manageable projects completed first. All right. Um, so in addition to the science fiction series, do you have any other projects that are closer on the horizon? Well, currently I'm working on sort of a horror spoof with characters that are put into a very easily escapable situation, but because they're celebrities that aren't smart, they have a really hard time getting out of it just because of their general ditziness. I'm also working on a war comedy, which is about three boys who are unprepared for the world and get sent overseas for training and end up 
causing havoc for their entire unit. The other project that I'm working on currently is sort of a more operatic project, sort of angels and demons style writing that I think would be very well suited for the stage. So Brad, tell me about some of the, the meanings in these movies that people are going to take away. So first one is more about putting others before yourself, which I think is a very relevant message to today's world, mm-hmm. especially with the fact that a lot of people tend to keep to themselves a little bit more often and just they go through their life and they never think about, hey, you know, maybe I should help other people who are trying to get to where they need to be. The second message is sort of about being unprepared for the world. Some people go through life according to other people's expectations. And as a result of living their whole life according to other people's expectations, when it comes to them getting out there in the real world, they really don't know what to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. The third operatic style writing is more about good versus evil and faith. The idea behind it is if, that if you have faith in yourself and you have faith in what you do, you can make it through even the toughest of circumstances, even if those, even if that takes you sort of out of that world in the story and becomes when the figurative becomes literal. Mm-hmm. I like those themes, especially... Uh the old good versus evil, and believing in yourself. I mean, that's something I always try to teach my kids. And also, uh, the first one that you said, where, uh, you know, it's not all about the self. People should really think about the community. Uh, Because too many times, the younger generation, it's all about the self and the selfie, when really the benefit uh, of putting time and effort into community efforts could really lead to a greater understanding and better fulfillment. I completely agree. And I think that that is where I'm coming from in a lot of these projects. I think that we've had plenty of movies out recently that I can call entertaining. But what I really want to do is is have a project that really has a message that people can take away from mm-hmm. the theater. I don't want them to just leave the theater and say, oh, or, or leave whatever we're watching if they're watching it on a stream or on Vimeo. I don't want them to leave after watching and then thinking, oh, that was entertaining. You know, I want them to have learned something from it. Mm -hmm. So you enjoy the more meaningful movies, and I completely agree. All right. So in addition to your writing projects, I understand that you're also planning a couple documentaries. Uh, What are these going to be about? Interesting that you asked. What I really wanted to do is I wanted to do some low-budget summer awareness documentaries. One of them was going to be on health and wellness. The other one was going to be on places to travel for the summer and and things that you could do. And I think that for me, it's the idea is that you just keep filming. You know, if you don't have the budget for something, you come up with one of those projects that you can do on your own Mm -hmm. and produce it and have the fulfillment of putting it together. Mm -hmm. And these days, you know, it's not the hardest thing to... uh make a a movie these days, you know, when you're just kind of roaming around, you see things interesting, or something that's meaningful, right? Yeah, true. Okay, Brad, do you want to talk a little bit about the health and wellness segment that you're going to do? Pretty much what I was trying to do with the health and wellness documentary was more about, as, as a society, especially American society, we tend to eat a lot of processed foods with ingredients we can't even pronounce. Mm -hmm. And I think now, especially during the summertime, people are becoming much more aware of buying organic ingredients. So I was kind of thinking about doing a documentary that addressed 
sort of eating habits and how people felt about buying organic food versus inorganic food and mm-hmm. eating more vegetables rather than rather than you know we consume a lot of meat which isn't necessarily good for us mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to really interview people and see how they felt about the current food food trends uh-huh. and I think that would be good for someone of my generation because when when we grew up everything was processed everything it was it was cool to eat tv dinners it was you know which are high in sodium and just i grew up on processed food twinkies you know ho-hos ding-dongs all this crazy food and studies show that you know it's just processed food is not good it's not healthy uh, but in my generation now there's more of an awareness but in my generation growing up there was none of this really about the organic you know food that was definitely true for back then, but even now you still have problems. Food regulation in the European Union is still much stricter than the United States. So you get a lot of food preparation practices here that are outright banned in the EU. I read in an article by The Guardian the other day that said many UK citizens in the thralls of planning Brexit were afraid to be switching their food trading from the EU to the US because of practices such as washing chicken with chlorine, growth hormones and beef, and the fact that a lot of genetically modified food here is not clearly labeled. Uh huh. Well, with situations like this, it's good that there are people like you making documentaries. There's so much controversy in the world today with just how to live your everyday life, right? Yeah, and I think that there are a lot of routines in our daily lives that in practice are not good for us. And I think that I'm more excited to do the documentary because there's there's a sense of fulfillment in raising awareness about these issues um, and allowing other people to see the problems with them as well. Okay, now that we've gone over the company's summer plans and we talked a little about some of our documentaries, I think it's time to move into our next category, Into the Film Industry. Christine, just before we get started, I'm very curious to hear your opinion on the mainstream film industry. You know, we we have this culture of the reboot that has kind of got its anchor into everything right now, and you're you're getting less and less originality in mainstream blockbuster Hollywood. Uh, what, what do you think about that trend? Well, when I see something, you know, that's that's remade from when I was a kid, I was like, wow, it really looks amazing, you know, with all the visual effects that they have now. Uh, and I think for the movie industry, it's quick, easy money. They know it's a good story. They know it's a good theme. It has, it's going to have a good outcome. Um, but in, in some ways, I can only take so much of that where it's like, okay, I, on, I almost feel like it's just like a money grab, the, the story's done, and they just want to reinvent something because it's, it's going to look better now in the digital world. Okay, yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree. I, me personally... Um, I, I think it's the idea of just milking something until you've got nothing left, you know, and, yeah. and you see that a lot with The Hobbit. The Hobbit could have been one one movie if they decided to do it. But yeah, they, they stretched wanna, that out. Yeah, they want to they want to drag it out to be three movies mm-hmm. because it's it costs them or it uh, makes more money that it way. It does. And I had to see all three. It was great. <laughs> no, I did like that movie. I would say for kids, you know, there's a lot of remake of these movies. Um and, you know, for kids, you know, it's new for them. So that's good. Um, but also for the film industry, I really do think, you know, it's they do it for the money. They do it for profits. All right. So, Christine, what do you think about indie film? I mean, I've taken you to a couple film festivals that are more geared towards rising filmmakers. Mm-hmm. What do you think about those compared to the mainstream film industry? Well, independent films are people that 
they want to make their mark. They want to do something different. They want to do something maybe that you haven't seen before. Uh, they want to have it on their resume. They want to, you know, people to get awareness about, you know, their talents. So when you go to an independent film festival, you're going to see a lot. You're going to see a lot of different types of films. And, you know, some are, are amazing. They're hits. But then you get some that they've really missed the mark or just one aspect of it could be uh, horrible. Like, for ex example, there was a very good documentary that I saw at an independent film festival but it was so long, it lost most of the audience's interest by the end of the movie. So um, it's kind of a hit or miss, you know. Um, you do see a lot of different ideas and fresh ideas, um, which a lot of times an independent film will, will let people will grab that and it'll become a bigger film or bigger following later on, which is great. That's how, like, it's kind of like a bubble think tank, I think. But you will see a lot of hits and misses. Yeah, well, I think part of the indie film mystery is that there's just so much media content out there. You don't need to go through the expense of renting a big film camera anymore to shoot the movie you want to make. Right, Brad. It doesn't have to be expensive, but people do expect honesty and good quality content. Yeah, I, I agree. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be expensive, but it does have to speak to people on a level where they want to spend their time watching it, whether that be online or spending money to go to a theater. I mean, that's true with anything. You have to make people passionate about it to get their attention. Now, as a filmmaker, my goal has always been to develop my stories and writing in a way that expresses my ideas as an artist and at the same time connects with an audience, which is important even before you start making the film. If the idea behind a project is important to you but doesn't connect with anyone else, then you might not be able to even get funding. You're right. I think in some ways you have to be a good salesman to sell your product. If no one knows about your great idea, it goes nowhere. Exactly. I mean, there's an artistic aspect, and then there's also the fact that you have to be a salesman. It's an enterprise. You're an, you're, you have to consider it as entertainment. If you're not doing something that, again, we go back to if you're not being entertaining with your ideas and people don't want to put their time into them, you again, I mean, it, it all comes down to the base issue, which is selling yourself and selling your product. So moving from that to a more technical aspect of the process, you might not get the actual production down the way you plan. Everyone has problems when you're dealing with a tight shooting schedule, and sometimes it's not always possible to get people to help you for free. But I mean, once you get enough experience, the sky is the limit. You got a lot of young, innovative writers and directors in the industry now. La La Land was great, and Damien Chazelle has done some impressive things in his early career. Then you have the Duffer Brothers, who created Stranger Things for Netflix, which ended up being their big break. Yes. I'm amazed on how Netflix has taken off and people can set aside time to watch what they want, when they want. Still, some people, like me, like going out to see the big movie experience. More choices offer a bigger market. Yeah, I think developing, yeah, I mean, developing content for Netflix and developing content for movies is is different. You're you're catering to a, a different audience, so your approach as a writer might be a little different. Right. I think there are a lot of different video submarkets out there, and I think uh, the more there is, the better choices people have. Christine, I cannot thank you enough for joining us on the pilot episode. Be sure and tune in to future episodes. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me here today. 
Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to like and also share our page on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. We'll be announcing episode two on both our Facebook and Twitter pages. Also, for more information about Surrealist Pictures, please be sure and check us out on our website, surrealistpictures.com.